Ayo, um, geez, in addition to the headphone jack being messed up on the computer, it turns out the software that I did the audio um, soundboard on my computer apparently uh, doesn't work anymore. I, I don't know if I got to, I got to figure it out. So we'll just pretend we're going to do the sound right now. You know, the, the intro, maybe I'll, whatever, maybe I'll cut it in or something. Ain't nobody got time for that. Welcome to Breaking Free Speech, official podcast of Breaking Free Skate Park. We're going to uh, talk talk here a little bit, give you a little February updates. Um, we're going to break the show down into a, a few segments. I think this will be better. The, the new format I've been doing, I've been breaking up the podcast, put them on uh, IGTV and Facebook. And we've got some pretty good engagements on it, so I'm going to continue to do that. So I'm going to break the show up into, um, we're going to have a segment called What's Good in the Hood. That'll be basically general park updates. Uh, then we'll do Let's Talk Business, which is going to be when we talk about the business side of things. And we'll have other segments as they uh, are needed. Sorry. <clears throat> so uh, What's Good in the Hood? February updates. Let's uh, jump right in here. So we had the uh, the bowl Super Bowls twenty twenty Super Bowls, which uh, prior to the bowl entails a lot of patchwork. There's still plenty of patchwork to be done, but we went through, patched a whole bunch of stuff. Some of it was worse than it looked. The funny thing with patching the ramps is, so uh, like say you rated all the damage on the ramp between one and five, we're gonna fix all your fours and fives. Well, then once you fix your fours and the fives, all of a sudden your threes look as bad as the fives because there's nothing comparatively worse. So I did a whole bunch of patches, and then I was like, ah, crap. A whole bunch more patches, uh, and uh, we're running pretty good. I'm going to do some more, making it a habit every Thursday at the park to do patchwork. And if we catch up on patchwork, well, we'll move on to uh, maybe some new work. Everybody wins when we get new work. Moving on to the bowls. The Super Bowl jam. Good times, like every year. Um, like I always say, events never are as popular as you would think. I always say if as many people that said, hey, you should do an event, came to events, then the events would be worth doing. But they don't, so it's never really worth it. Go figure. So we had the Super Bowl, Skate Super Bowl, two and a half weeks ago. Uh, new for this year, we did the 50-50 challenge, which was basically exactly what it sounds like. Longest 50-50. Basically ended up being into the back corner of the bowl, down and around. That was pretty crazy. Phone's going off. Uh, and yeah, that was a good time. Jaeger, Cameron, shout out. Uh, took, took, the, took the prize. He is the Sultan of Slash. This is the second time he's held that for us, for him. For the city of Rochester. Some good skating went down. Good times. We had some pizza. Everyone loves pizza. That video will be out eventually. So, and uh, also, let's see. I wanted to say shout out to the uh, Honey Oi Pauls. DIY. Um, it's awesome. Cameron and his boys there. They've been working on... I don't know if it was approved or not or, or whatever, but they're... Working on that Honey Oi Skate Park, building some cool concrete features. I've seen the pictures. The quality of work looks outstanding. It's pretty cool. 
it is so awesome uh, for a, a community to have groups of people like that that are doing projects like that. And things like this are always around. They always come and go. There's always like warehouses or DIYs or dirt jumps in the woods. Or, there's always something, you know. And it's cool that there's so much of that in Rochester. It really helps everyone across the board. So shout out to those guys. Shout out to just that whole DIY ethic that, you know, that that's in the skate culture. All the alternative cultures like skate and BMX, you know, just do it yourself. Bunch of, you know, 14-year-olds starting a little clothing brand. That stuff is really awesome. Thumbs up. Uh, BMX Super Bowl Jam. That was the following weekend. Uh, Christian Earhart. This is, uh, he's actually the only rider to have attended all three years of the BMX Super Bowl. Dude nailed it. He, he was, his, the improvement in his riding from the last year was amazing. Just totally crushed it. Totally deserved it. He won. Shout out for him. And, and shout out to his family. Crazy. They, you know, they drove, uh, they say, I forgot what they said they're from, but it's past Albany, I think they said. That's quite a drive to come out to an event. And on top of that, they said they got hammered with like a snowstorm and like a tree fell down on their driveway and they lost power and they actually canceled their reservations on the hotel because like, we're not going. And they said literally that morning, uh, <laughs> like that morning, the power came back on and they're like, you know what? Let's go for it. And they last minute decided to, in, in fact, drive all the way to Rochester to come to jam. And that's awesome. That's so, so cool when you have a, a family that supports you. And mom and dad are like, we'll, yeah, we'll drive four hours to go do that. And I think his little brother came as well. That is just heartwarming. It warms my heart. It's so great. Just like the DIY stuff, having families doing that stuff. Like skating and BMX, scooter, all the skate park culture just brings everyone together so awesome that's <sighs> why I do what I do it really just makes me so so happy um, and then we'll do a couple more little things here about the bowl contest um, bowl jam there are more jams this year than contests every year we do it we've been doing it a little bit differently I learn see what people like what people dislike I'm positive next year we're going to add a uh, foot down challenge to the bowl jam. So, I love it. Maybe we do like a, we do a $5 buy-in or a $10 buy-in and foot down in the bowl. First person to win two times wins the prize money. Oh, hit the mic. Uh, maybe we do something like that. I think that would be gnarly. And I think that's something that everyone can enjoy. And then lastly... I think next year for the Super Bowl jams, I might, at least for maybe one of them, probably the BMX one, just because personally I have more connections in the BMX community than in the skate community. I don't really know anyone at any skate companies. I know multiple people at multiple bike companies, so that's just where I am. And if if you're listening to this and you are a skateboarder and you want to do this with me or help me do this for the skate one, by all means, slide in the DMs, come talk to me. Uh, before I do this, I have to point out something about the nature of how we operate at BFS. If you've been to a lot of parks, you would notice that there's something that's different about BFS than other skate parks. And 
kind of in line with the, what we were talking about earlier with the DIY nature of these sports. I don't... It is DIY because it's a small operation. I, I like to think... I like, I like to fly solo. I've always been solo. Like That's just how I operate. So we don't have signage and logos and a bunch of BS on all the ramps. Like If you go to a lot of other places, it's like every box jump is painted with a brand. And there's just banners and just all that stuff and it's cluttery and I don't like that aside from like there's an economic discussion there that I don't really necessarily want to get into it's just when you walk in there like I don't I want it to be exactly what it is I don't want that distraction of all those logos and this and that and being like oh well plain simple just honest DIY, whatever. So for next year's Bowl Jam, I want to do it bigger. So I, I actually want to reach out to these companies. If you've noticed on any of the events we do on the flyers, there's never sponsors on them aside from local ones like Crudco or Kink or uh, Flower Pale Kids. And some of the scavenger hunts, we do some local businesses like the Red Fern or Fuego Coffee. Very much that, like, keeping it local for the, like, it's for the people right here in this community. It's the community I want to reach. Or I want to continue to reach, I guess, would be a better way of saying it. So next year's Bull Jam, I think I am going to reach out to some companies and be like, hey, what do we have to do to make this event bigger? Like, is it a matter of, do I need to put up a prize that's X amount of dollars to get pros to come? Do I need to just tell you guys a year ahead of time so you could just plan on it? Do like, can I, will you guys sponsor this event? Can we make, can we collab on this event? You know, so those are all questions I need to sit down and, and, and go through and think about and call some bike companies and, and bounce it off them conveniently next month. I'm going down to New Jersey for Cabida, which is a bicycle industry trade show. All the BMX brands will be there, or most of them. So I will have the chance to sit down or stand up and talk to a bunch of them and bounce ideas off each other, see what we can do to really try to pump that and make that an event that's like an event event. like Because we have the potential of it being really legit. Like I'm almost certain it's the only bowl in New York. Up until... Alex Rice, it probably was the only bowl in New York State outside of maybe that Chelsea Pier skate park. You can correct. If I'm wrong, just let me know. There's, It's definitely the only indoor one. I mean, you can count the tiny, the three-foot bowl at 50-50 skate park. But yeah, it's, it's unique to what it is. It, it's a long winter. I think it's worth trying it. So, I mean, if you've got any ideas, what you think would be cool, yeah, feel free to, to, to comment it or uh, yeah, comment it. Take your input, see what what would be, um, especially if you're like an intermediate rider, like what, what would get you as an intermediate rider to want to do it? And if to be like to make the event something that's worth spectating as an intermediate or beginner rider, what what would you like to see? Is it it a matter just of of getting name brand pros here? I don't know. Let me know. That uh, ends the what's good in the hood or what's been good in the hood. <clears throat> now we're going to transition. I mean, we're already up to 10 minutes here, so 
I'll just make this a longer one, whatever. So, second segment, we're going to do Let's Talk Business. So, this will be the section uh, where we talk business. Let's talk business. <laughs> uh, so, in a really exciting turn of events. <laughs> uh, this is going to be kind of like nerdy business economic stuff, but some people... I actually get a good amount of feedback telling people saying, like, that's really cool to know how sh- things work. Uh, it's like a weird... Uh, what's it, faux pas thing where it's like businesses do not tell people how they operate. Like, like there's this thing like you're not the customer's not supposed to know these things. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. If you care enough to sit down through a 20 minute video of me talking about it, then you deserve to know. Like, and and part of it is I, there's always as a kid, you know, I remember being a kid going to the skate park. You give you hand them 10, 15 bucks. And when, when you're 14 years old, 15 bucks is a lot of money. And and so to you, you know, you might only have like maybe you got 60 bucks at home in your top drawer. You take 15 of it because mom's not going to pay for the skate park anymore. And and you pay it. And you're like, dude, that was that was 15 to 60 dollars. That's what, 33 percent, 15, 30. Yeah. No, 25 percent of, of all the money you have. So to you, you're like, holy crap, that's so much money. So there's this this, I don't want to call it a myth, that's a harsh term, but there's always been this thing in skate parks that everyone thinks there's somebody who's like making a lot of money off doing the skate park. There's some, you know, like, oh, it's so-and-so's parent and they're just like twirling their mustache, counting their money because to you it seems like a lot. But in the reality, especially if you've listened to this podcast, you know, it's not a, a, a business that makes a lot of money. It's a labor of love and all that stuff. So I'll, I, I'll, I'll share all that info with you you care to hear it so this is the uh the business talk this week i um get you ready you might want to buckle up guys things are going to get a little intense here i hadn't sat down and looked at all my drink and snack margins since i opened so i was like you know what pretty exciting let's make a spreadsheet <laughs> i love spreadsheets so um, if you don't know what a margin and a margin is essentially the difference between uh what I buy the product for and what I sell it to you for. We're going to do some basic economics here. Um, and then I'll tell you some of the actual drink margins. And, and uh, there might actually be some price changes there, to be honest. Uh, so essentially, someone makes the Gatorade, right? And that comes from a lot of different places. And then you know, the Gatorade probably goes to a Gatorade distribution center. And then from that distribution center, it goes to like BJ's. And then from BJ's, it goes to me. And then from me, it goes to you. And everyone in that process gets a margin. Same thing with bike and scooter parts. Same same exact idea. Generally, you know, margins seem to say the same across the whole spectrum. Like everyone gets the even cut of it. Although, d- depending on how things the market is, it could be different. Who knows? I don't really know a lot about things outside of BMX and skateboarding. But... So I'm going to give you some numbers right here, some exciting stuff. Um, so this is basically what my spreadsheet says. Gatorade. Uh, I get it in a case of 24. Uh, it actually costs me $15 plus $1.20 because I have to pay for the deposit when I buy it, right? Because CDL legislation, that was passed in the 80s. So that with that included, it cost me $0.68 cents per Gatorade. 
I sell them for $2, but they're not $2. I actually sell them for $1.85 because New York State has to get their cut, 8% sales tax. So I so I'll buy it for $0.68, cents, sell it for $1.85. If you're good at math, you'll know. I'm sure you do know that's 63.51% margin. Actually, the markup margin? Yeah, whatever. So basically, I buy a case for 15 bucks. The money we make on that case is $28. And the money we pay in sales tax on that is $2.26. How exciting. Um, that, that's pretty good. Like, some businesses will operate with a set margin. Like, they'll basically make a spreadsheet and they'll apply, okay, every snack is going to be 70% margin, period. And then they put the numbers in, the spreadsheet does the math and goes, that's what we're charging, period. Because we're dealing with kids at the skate park and it's like, I try to round everything to an even number so it all kinds of works out. Um, So I'll give you some more info here if you care. Let's see, the highest margin I get on anything would be on bottles of water. We actually get a 90% margin on that. That's pretty great. Uh, Second would be... hmm, Airheads, which makes sense because people always say that airheads are expensive. Fruit roll-up. And lastly, cup and noodle. So those those are all above 83% profit margin. The lowest I get anywhere would have to be Red Bull. Below 45% margin. So I don't make a lot of money on Red Bull. Canned sodas are pretty good. So if you actually want to help make BFS more profitable, you're better off in terms of profit margin buying Arnold Palmer or water versus Gatorade or Red Bull. Unless you just like Red Bull. All of our snack margins end up being really, really similar. I got to imagine it's because it's the same thing on the the back side where it comes from. Because they all come in 36 packs for about the same price. So it all works out to be about the same. Um, and as far as any of this changing, I might make the candy bars $1.75. So like the, so the candy, I'll make a 50% margin on a candy bar for $1.50. Versus if you buy like a bag of chips, I'll get like a 70% margin. Uh, wh- whether it be Cheez-Its or Goldfish or Chex Mix, all that. So I'll make... 20% more margin on that stuff. So it kind of is what it is. Um, so I'm sure that was just riveting to know that. Now, other things you want to take into account. So I buy it for a price, divide it out, I sell it to you, I make some money on it. There are additional costs to that, right? Um, I think in economic terms, they call them externalities. So there is my time. I go to BJ's to get this stuff on my time. And I don't pay myself for that time, so I guess it isn't really a cost. (laughs) Um, There's the gas in my vehicle. There's the wear and tear on my vehicle. Uh, Then these drinks are in the cooler for at least some portion of the time. So there's the electricity in the cooler. There's the lights that are on in the cooler during open operations. So if my if I were to average all those margins together between all those snacks, you know, maybe it's 60%, then you'd want to account all of that and that'll eat into that margin furthermore. So like 
everything goes into the cost. And before I end this podcast, I there's a very relevant... Um, I don't think it's a book. It's an essay. It's called I Pencil. It's actually about um, exactly what I'm talking about now. It's about free markets, and it's about how how complex it is and how many variables go into that product that ends up in your hand, right? Like, think about that. Every single drink, snack, every single one that's at the skate park, literally, that I've ever sold. Uh, I should have looked this up so I can give you that number. So, I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be unreasonable if we've sold 20,000 uh, drinks and snacks and chips Every single one of those I personally loaded onto a cart at BJ's and then into my truck and then into the skate park. Every single one. Isn't that crazy to think about? Um, So I Pencil is an essay by Leonard Reed. And it's about, it's written from the point of view of a pencil. I comma pencil. Um, And it's about how Something as simple as a pencil, how many different people went into the production of a pencil from how many different places all over the planet to come to end up being this little pencil that cost like a quarter is just absolutely mind-blowingly astounding. Like I mentioned earlier with the Gatorade, like who knows where Gatorade's made of, but all those stuff that's in, all those things that are in Gatorade came from all these different places from all, it's just, it's crazy. And you have no clue where the Gatorade, like the Gatorade, they took all the stuff, made the Gatorade and you have no idea where the hell that was made. And then eventually it ends up in your hand and you're drinking it and eventually you pee it out, right? <laughs> it, it's just crazy. It's so complex. Um, so if you care to read that, I mean, you could read it. It would probably make your parents proud. Well, I'm assuming you're a kid to be like, to read this like a uh, little essay on economics. Uh, I think it'd be pretty impressive. I mean, if you read it, tell you what, I'm going to read it just so if you read it and you come to the skate park and you can talk to me enough that I believe you actually read it, I'll give you a free session, right? So I'm sending you home with homework and I'm going to finish the podcast with a really, really great quote from that book. So I actually, actually did read a little bit of it already. So, um, and this is kind of like a, I don't know. I'll just read the quote. You can take it for what it is, and we'll call it there. We're at 25 minutes, so it's a long podcast. Um, So this is about the production of the pencil. There is a fact still more astounding. The absence of a mastermind, of anyone dictating or forcibly directing these countless actions which bring me into being. No trace of such person can be found. Instead, we find the invisible hand at work. End quote. So that is the pencil, speaking from the perspective of the pencil, about how it came to being. Pretty cool stuff. The invisible hand mentioned there is famously from Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, which is probably the foreground of modern uh, free market economics. So there you go, guys. Some dense stuff in there, 25 minutes. I hope you made it through all of this. If you made it through all this, tell me. I'll come in. You come in the skate park. I'll give you a high five. Go, you did it. Go, gang.
High five. You know what? Tell you what. I'm going to cut this end piece out when we're talking about high five. So it's not going to be on Facebook or Instagram. It'll only be in the podcast realm. So if you come in and you say, you made it to the end of this podcast and I said I'd give you a high five, I'll give you $2 off a session. But I'm going to quiz you to make sure you didn't just skip the end because like you're like, oh, John Craig said, just tell Dave you want a high five and you get $2 off. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, no, no, no. doesn't work. It's not that easy, guys. So... Thanks for watching. Hope you learned something. Hope you uh, drop me a comment. Let me know uh, how you feel about some of the stuff we talked about. And, you know, I will see you at the skate park later. This is where I would press the button to play the outro music. But everything is broken. And uh, it is what it is. So, bye.